It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hey, we're the Defective Characters. Three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we'll be sharing our experience on practicing these principles in all our affairs. In this episode 71 of the Defective Characters podcast, let's go. Woohoo! Uh, Dennis! Dennis, Hello. that sounded good. No. You woohoo! Sounded like you had some oomph behind you. Uh, it's, I'm just happy to be on here again with you guys. Is that what you call your new boyfriend? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That, was, that was aggressive. Aggressive, James. Right? Um, any updates on Twitter? No, actually, I'm going to have to relieve my Twitter duties and oh, have no. one take it over. My finger's on my nose. <laughs> Are you finally getting rid of Twitter? Well, I just need to not be on Twitter. Just now, Trump. Why? Why is that? Yeah, that's a good point, James. Because um, why? Okay, be, because because of the way the world is on Twitter. Yes, I had a massive panic attack the other day, and I'm recovering from it. But it was like pretty bad, and uh, so I need to watch my diet in more ways than one. In a way, you know. So wh- when did it when did it come on? Um, how did you feel? What did you do? And how did you uh, kind of walk through it till today? Um, well, it came on like a few days ago. Um, and I, it was at night, like, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I was in my room. Um, and it like, like I first mistake is I, I, I didn't eat dinner that day. So then like, you know, I'd been in quarantine the last two weeks because our meeting had shut down and someone, there was like a COVID scare or whatever. So my parents wanted me to stay in and stuff. So I was relatively isolated and I spent the whole two weeks relatively fine. And then all this stuff in the world goes on. And then me, with my obsessive mind and stuff is I got to know what's going on and whatever. And so you eventually like viewing that much terror and trying to make sense of it. Like it just snapped and I had a huge panic attack. So, you know, that night I just tried everything to stay in, try to keep the negative thoughts out of my head and went to sleep. And then the next day I like, move downstairs and then for me it's all everything like when i get in that state i freeze so i'm like scared to like go to the bathroom i'm scared to eat i'm scared to do anything so i started with the 
process of like forcing myself to eat. Okay, you can eat this peach, so eat this peach. All right, now you eat that peach. Now eat a bowl of soup uh, and do that. And like that's the main focus. And then I've been avoiding like being alone in a way. So uh, I been hanging out downstairs with my dad and stuff and watching like Hallmark movies with him and stuff like that. So that's actually a positive out of this is that like I have spent a lot of time with my dad in a good positive way. So that's good. But uh yeah, then I don't then I don't know. Like the other day, like James sent me a message like, hey, come join this meeting. And it was a Zoom meeting that I didn't even know exist. So I went on there and they were stop- talking about step two. So it was relevant to what I was spiritually going through at that moment. Yeah. And then um, after the meeting, uh, Danny, my grand sponsor, told me to call him. So I talked to him for a while. And then the morning meeting started the next day. So I started getting back to that. And now it's just kind of get back into the normal and feeling a lot better now. Get back into the routine and talking to people. I actually talked to James's wife last night for like an hour or more or whatever about a lot of spiritual stuff. So that was really helpful. So Nice. You're doing better? What? You're doing better now? I am. Relatively, yeah. Why did you eat your dog? I didn't eat my dog. You said you ate peaches. That did sound Uh, a a lot. I did chuckle, by the way. I went back and listened to last week's podcast, and and I was laughing pretty hard when you (laughs) said, when you called Dennis's dad peaches. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I've been hanging out with peaches, too, since, like, I've been sleeping on the couch just because, like, I've been hanging out downstairs and I fall asleep on the couch and I don't want to go back up to my room. So like peaches, my dog has been like sleeping with me, like keeping an eye on me. So that's, that's sweet. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad, uh, one day at a time, I guess you're, you're walking through it and it will make sure that if anybody does reach out to us, has any topics or suggestions or just anything in the future, at the underscore character defective. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> at the underscore characters.com. I, I promise or, we'll figure at, it out. <laughs> we don't even know what it is. <laughs> yeah. At the like, underscore characters. I, I'll volunteer to take over your Twitter duties for now, Dennis, until you get back. Good. Like, yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> Good. You're welcome. <laughs> You'll be better at it. Yeah, yeah that's anyway. That's the response. You're welcome. Um, yeah, well, I appreciate it, James. You know I do. I really do. Uh, James, how's everything with you? How's the last week been? Let me see. This week has been good. Uh, a father-in-law is back from Chicago. And he's nice. he's, he's doing, he's, he's chipper as ever. And um, I only hope when I'm, you know, in my 70s, I'm as you know, as excited about life as he is, which I think I will be the way I'm going, uh, working a lot. I worked, uh, 12 hours yesterday. Wow. And it was good. 
then I got today off. Then I work another 12 days, 12 hours on Friday. And then I have the weekend off. So nice. I, like I talk to my, my kids every day. Uh, it's good. But uh, everything's just pretty normal. Um, helping, um, being supportive to the wife. She's um, starting her new, her new venture back into her professional career. So she's got a little bit of anxiety and fear, but she's she's got a lot of God on her side. So she's um, she's putting those resumes out, and I'm very proud of her. So whatever I can do to help, um, and that's about it, really. Just uh, loving each moment of every day. That's that's great. And a future topic that we were going to do. I don't know if you can ask T James if she would want to join us next week to talk about fear as a topic. Um, because that's something, there's a lot of people right now in recovery and out of recovery. And if she doesn't want to, that's totally fine. Um, but fear is something, I mean, the fear inventory is, uh, that's what kept me sober and keeps me sober of doing that in that column and step four. And there's a lot of people that are trying to find new careers or maybe their career cut their hours so that they're at the precipice of trying to figure out if they have to change or not, or just like downsize their life, you know, and what they spend money on. Some people have so much fear. A friend of mine um, who is in the program is like, what do I do? Do I move out of my house and into an apartment and keep the same job? Or do I get a new job and hope that that job can actually pay me enough, you know? And like, what a, what a tough thing to actually be on. Um, and I mean, the, the, there's, there are people, and I know you spoke on it, James, like um, early on when, since you're in the food industry, there being uh, changes for you and then you having to uh, collect money, for, you know, for a time of like, well, I have to do it to pay bills to make sure that my kids, you know, uh, are covered, you know, and are okay and how tough that is. But I feel like this, this year in particular, people that never really dealt with fear or looked at it like that um, had to. So, yeah, I think, I think that's a great idea. Good, thanks. That was that was like my conscious. My conscious was like, "Good idea, Michael." You Good know, that's job. the way you usually sounds. Um, you have anything planned this weekend, James? Since you don't have work. Oh no, <laughs> not a darn thing. Well, that's good. Nothing. I mean, nothing is planned, but that's okay. Yeah, that that's okay. true. I want to pay a compliment to uh, to Dennis. Uh, last week talked about he had his premiere of Faldo, uh, Unrequited, the sequel in the the Faldo series, and it was uh, it was an amazing thing to experience for me. Uh, I was able to make it to the theater. I did take a video that I'm going to share with you, Dennis. I we just haven't. Uh, I'll share with you probably Saturday. Yeah, I look forward to it for sure. Um, I I took out of the, I don't know, just shy of 10 minutes that the film was, I probably took six minutes of 
a video on my phone because um, like in my profession, there's a lot of times I have no idea if a piece of art or a show is actually effective because the people that take it in are listening, even this podcast, unless people reach out on Twitter or reach out to us in person and we see them around town, we have no idea how people take in something. And I wanted to do that from the, uh, you know, I don't know how many people were in there. They said, what, 40% capacity, and there was 500, I think, 37 seats. So whatever, right, 40%, is that what it was, Dennis? Something like that, I don't remember, yeah. Okay, so say 50. There was probably so a couple hundred people in there. 200, I think there was about 200, because as far as the seats, I know it was it was sold out. And when I got there, the only seat that was open, my daughter, who was two and a half, didn't have a ticket. She just sat on my lap. The only seat that was open was at the very top, which was great because the very top is better than the very bottom. But I was sitting in the handicap seat, which since it was an hour into the screening, I figured that no one else was going to come in and need it. So, And if they did, I would have gotten up. But um, I sat there, and there were a lot of people. And I feel like 90% of your intention, Dennis, in the film, um, how you intended it to, like, a joke to be funny here, or the different beats, I feel like they hit it. And they, uh, it was amazing. That makes me feel good. Yeah, and it was amazing to me, too, because my, uh, since my daughter's two and a half, I'm like, I wonder if she's going to, like, pay attention enough when the the couple scenes that I was in and she said dada dada like as soon as it happened so it was amazing amazing that her first theater experience was a movie that you uh you put so much time and effort alongside uh, Dennis and James and the other uh in the crew and cast it was great like it was a fantastic day when we did it and I wish Hopefully, if you guys can see the video that I shot, you can kind of feel some of uh, it. I don't have the faces yeah. of the other people in the audience, but you can hear them like, yeah. laughing. You can like, hear the response. Yeah, and I think like you touched on it there, great, is, like, is when you create something, you never know if it lands or doesn't land or whatever until you get an audience reaction. And that's what I enjoy most about like premieres or watching things that I create with other people is to get that reaction to know if it worked or didn't work. Cause then you can adjust it in the future. But, uh, you want to like, I, I'm so glad you actually got to go and do it. Cause I didn't go because I was in the quarantine. Um, but a funny little antidote is that the reason that I was in quarantine was because, you know, we had a scare at the morning meeting, and we shut down the morning meeting. I told my parents and they like, you know, wanted me to be safe and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't go because it was a movie theater, blah, blah, crowd and all that. And but the reason was that someone told us that they tested positive. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I found out much later that they didn't actually test positive. They did a rapid test. It was a false positive. And then they did it with the the real test and it was negative, but I didn't go. So someone had my ticket, right? Uh, Someone that goes in the fellowship had, had my ticket 
So I was like, you know, I'm, I took, well, I let him know like, Oh, I'm not going to go. I hope you find someone else to go. And the person that took my ticket was that person that had the false positive, which was the reason I was in quarantine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You just, you just weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I'm glad he went, he texted me after said he enjoyed it and loved it and gave me a compliment and I'm glad he went and had a great time. You know, it's, it's just, it's just funny. I find it more funny than, yeah. than missing out or anything, you know? Yeah. So, so that's, that's a, uh, a catch up. Obviously we're all doing good one day at a time. And this topic came from Dennis of practicing these principles in all our affairs. How'd you come upon that Dennis? So you wanted to do that today. Any reason? Um, I don't know. I think like, when you when you asked the talk, it was the first thing that came to my head, and it was probably like the day before I had that massive panic attack. So I was deep into looking at the world and looking at people and how people act, and and like almost not judging, but analyzing in such a way of like, where like these people aren't acting upon the principles that they say that they're, that they stand for or whatever. Mm. And so it kind of made me think that like, you know, like, how do we do that? Like, it's like, we hear it a lot of times. It's easy to like have, you know, live by the principles when we're in the middle of a meeting and hearing them all the time and stuff. But then how, how much do we fall short of when we leave that meeting and we interact with coworkers or family members or the str- strangers, the world at large and stuff? You know, are we living up to those principles that we are taught? Or are we only applying it to alcoholism between, you know, this hour and this hour? You know? Yeah. And if you're sitting listening, so the, the big book does outline the principles as a single virtue that embodies each step. So just to put it into reference, and I don't know how you want to go about this, Dennis, if you want each of us to, to maybe pick a principle out of the 12 steps, I'll go, I'll go through what they are. Oh, I, maybe, I don't know. I didn't have any thought okay. between that. I know we so covered maybe, the principles in two episodes uh, well, we, last year. The two episodes, it wasn't the principles, it was the promises. That we oh, you're right. Episodes. You're right. So these these are just a tad different, but yeah, you are maybe right. maybe if we want to go around. So so I'll start at the top. So step one, the principle is honesty. Step two, hope. Step three, surrender. Step four, courage. Step five, integrity. Step six, willingness. Step seven. Humility, step eight, love, step nine, responsibility, step 10, discipline, step 11, awareness, and step 12, service. James, did you, you want to get us started and uh, maybe picking one that I listed off that maybe uh, rings true that like you focus on that helps you with your recovery? I would almost say maybe also one that you don't necessarily focus on. Like what is one, like what is one that you are finding that you don't apply to the world and how can we apply it? Okay. If we're just picking one, um, 
I would say step one, honesty. You know, this had, for me, it took a long time for me to get honest with myself to realize that I could not put anything in my body that would cause a reaction, um, hmm. maybe drugs or alcohol, um, where that reaction would want me to crave more. And um, no matter how many times I went um, with that uh, way, you know, drinking and drugging, I would um, end up having, you know, a bad time towards the end of it. Like, um, it was never enough. Um, I would get into arguments, uh, spend so much money, just do things that I, I knew that were not good for me. And no matter how many times I did that, I would eventually say to myself, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I, I have to get off this. I have to stop drinking. But I would do it again. Like, I would just forget about how bad it was last time. So for me, I had to really, really get honest and um, start working this program and realize that, yeah, I am an alcoholic. And I have to replace this this malady with uh, something besides drugs and alcohol because I was obviously craving something to get outside of myself. Um, and I've been able to do that with my higher power. And, you know, I picked this one because, you know, I'm not always honest. Um, and a lot of times, you know, I can omit the truth and be deceitful in the things I do. But, um, you know, now I don't have alcohol and drugs to cover up my feelings. Like if I'm dishonest or deceitful, I feel that and it, it, it wrenches in my gut and, um, and I don't like it. So hmm. I choose not to do it again. And, you know, I ask for forgiveness and I don't beat myself up for it, but I know that today that that's not the person I want to be. I don't want to be a dishonest person. I want to walk with integrity. Um, I want to do the best I can. So even though that's one of the areas, like when my wife asked me, you know, did you do this? And my first instinct is to be like, no, even though I know I did it. I'm not going to get into examples, but I always like, I just want to, and then she'll look at me knowing that I did something and, you know, I have to come clean and, she just can't understand uh, deceitfulness. She's For her, she's never been deceitful in her life. She told, I mean, I'm sure she's been deceitful, but she says that she, she just, it's not part of her DNA. And Dennis knows this. She's just, she gives me so much crap about everything. I, we, I've got into this, you know, about sneaking into Disney pools when I'm not a guest and, um, <laughs> You know, little things like that, you know, walking on the grass when it says do not walk on grass, um, cutting in line. These are all little deceitful things. And um, our friend Jarrett told me once, or he told um, Dennis' sponsor, he's like, you know, this might not be hurting everyone to do these little deceitful things. But just think if everyone did it, it would be chaos. So that's one thing I have to work on, just being integral with my word. And do the best I can. I love it. Thank you, buddy. Um, 
Dennis, think about yours for a minute. I'm going to pick step three, which the principle is surrender. Um, I had a friend of mine um, bring to my attention. He's like, oh, what did you – now, it's a friend of mine, and I use that term loosely. Like, you guys are, are my best friends. Like, you know me in and out. And even – it sounds crazy, but because – you know, the principle of honesty, because I'm so honest on this podcast, I feel like everybody that listens and people that are in the rooms, like I, I know for a fact, and you guys are the same way, where stuff that you say in the rooms is exactly what we say on here and we share. So it's not like we're holding anything back. Um, and a friend of mine's said, oh, what did you find, God? And that friend is not somebody that's in the rooms. They don't understand. They they don't have a, a spiritualness in their life today. But they said, I see you got a rosary, the rosary beads on, because I started wearing my rosary. I found it when I was packing up, like, my old life, when I was, you know, packing up my house and to move. Uh, by the grace of God, um, making it through that in July, I found my rosary and I put it around my neck. And the last six months, I've had it on and they saw pictures of me with it. And I said, yeah, I, I mean, I've always, he's always been there. You know, I just haven't, I didn't, uh, I guess, appreciate him. I didn't turn to him. You know, I was, I was just running my life. And when I first found uh, my higher power, and I found him because I just, I turned to him, you know, whenever anything's good or bad, I don't take credit for the good. Uh, and when things are bad, um, the phrase that one of our uh, friends in the room, and I'm sure many rooms says, you know, nothing uh, happens to me, it's happening for me. Um, and I, I see that today. But I didn't when I first came in. Um, you know, I started step three. It was November. So it was what? A little over six years ago when I started my first step three. And at that time as well, I don't know if you guys felt the same thing. I know our diets were very different when we were pouring drugs and alcohol into our bodies. Um, but... Uh, you know, I had friends that said that I was really puffy <laughs> when I first came into the room. And once I stopped drinking, um, I lost some weight and then some weight went back on because I started then eating sugar to like balance out. But I wanted to be healthy. And I distinctly remember a suggestion of from my sponsor to every morning. Yeah, I would, you know, hit my knees, say, say step three and uh, and surrender and, and turn things over. And to get physically healthy, he also said, you know, why don't you do push-ups? If you want to be healthy, why don't you do some push-ups? So I had a routine of doing push-ups and sit-ups. The first week I did, uh, what, five push-ups and five sit-ups. The next week I did 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups every morning after I did the third step prayer. And surrendering and doing that physical action, I will admit that I stopped when I got to 70 because that was just too damn exhausting. Uh, doing 70 push-ups and 70 sit-ups, and they were 
they were half-assed to say the least. But it got me into a routine where um, I think the physical action and then the, uh, you know, from hitting my knees to doing that made me feel uh, something. And there was a, there was a change that happened in me. And I needed that because, you know, and that, now I, I like the fact that I have a, a rosary around my neck and I have different things um, on me. I have a, a white bracelet that I got right before I came into the rooms. You guys probably have seen it on me. It's just like a rubber band. And um, there was a couple especially early on, you know, the, the chips that you get, the medallions, I would constantly lose mine and I don't lose this white bracelet that's around my wrist that I got the last week of my drinking when I was on vacation. Um, and my sponsor, I think my first sponsor was just really sick of me being like, Oh, I lost my chip. So he just said, well, you always got that bracelet around your wrist. So just like how they say, you know, if you're thinking about a drink, you know, uh, some sponsors say, put the chip in your pocket and just reach in and grab it and rub it between your fingers, you know, and remember some, maybe some of the things that were said in meetings. And now I just touch my uh, white rubber band that's around my wrist or my rosary bead uh, to remember to have gratitude that where I am today, no matter how bad things might be, I don't, I don't have to do anything but show up uh, and really be of service or like, you know, if, if I feel like I am having a bad day, I'm probably thinking about myself too much, you know, and I should probably start any of these principles, start thinking about them a little bit more. So that's enough out of me. Um, I went on too long. I apologize. Dennis? Oh, wonderful. Um, up. I got a couple of ideas, but I'm going to make you talk again. Can you list the principles again? Yeah. With the step they're associated with so I, ha so I know you I'm getting it. it right. You got it. From the top. Step one, honesty. Step two, hope. Step three, surrender. Step four, courage. Step five, integrity. Step six, willingness. Step seven, humility. Step eight, love. Step nine, responsibility. Step 10, discipline. Step 11, awareness. Step 12, service. Awesome. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of them apply to, you know, the situation I've gone through in the last few days and, and leading up to that. You know, I think, you know, start with like, like discipline, right? Like I, I, when it comes to like AA, I have relatively good discipline, right? I show up every morning and set up the room, no matter if I want to go or not, I go. And, you know, I'm pretty disciplined on my meeting routine and like doing things like this podcast and stuff like that. But then outside of that, I'm not very disciplined. Like I said, like I skipped a meal leading up to my panic attack, which wasn't the cause. It was just one thing that helped trigger it uh, along with the many other things. But, you know, it's, it's, it's little things like that where like, 
like exercise and uh, calling people and, and, you know, my Twitter diet is I'm not disciplined with it. It's like, it's, it's, it's completely almost like old behaviors just applied to like not the alcohol and the drugs. Cause you know, thank God I don't have the obsession of the mind with the alcohol and the drugs, but I do get it with other things. So it's something that I need to apply the same way that I did with alcohol and drugs is to apply it with these other things that are obviously now that I've recovered from that other stuff, there's still stuff around that I can apply this to and, and hopefully grow from, you know? And I think there's other things with like the surrender is I can surrender certain things, you know, again, that have to do with like my alcoholism. You know, I accept that I can't run my life on my own will and that God's got to do it. And then I can accept that I'm not a normal person in the sense that I can't have a drink or a drug and just go about my day like everything's okay, you know, and I can surrender that. But then other aspects of my life, I'm not doing that. I don't necessarily have the strong enough faith to like know that God is taking care of me and everything. And then it's also like the control issue, which like James can tell you, this is like, as an example of like, you know, I'm working on a film, right. And I have James come and help me with the films because, you know, he's talented and he's a hard worker and I love having him around and I'll ask him to do something. Right. And instead of just surrendering it to him and letting him have his thing, he'll be doing it. And then I'll be like, Oh, well, you're doing it wrong. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's this control aspect of it comes in where I have to control every aspect of it or, or it's not going to get done right and blah, blah, blah. When the reality is, is that, you know, he's fully capable. And when I do let him just, you know, oh, this is my idea. Now you do what you want to do. And he comes back to me. It's perfectly fine. And, and a lot of times better than if I would have micromanaged it the whole time. And I think it's, I think there's a lot of like examples like that, that could probably stretch all of the principles to where in the rooms and when it has to do with recovery, I'm solid on it. But then all of these other aspects of my life is just, you know, that it almost flies out the window, you know, it's like I can have faith and rely on God and be humbled before God or whatever when I'm doing the prayers and doing that. But the moment that I step away from that and something bad happens and all of a sudden it's like, I have to fix this. I have to do this on my own. What's wrong with me if I can't do this and blah, blah, blah. When the reality is, is like, like these things that we do and the steps we take and the tools that we have, you know, are perfectly suited for the rest of my life. You know, and I think I just got to focus more on it. I'm rambling, so. No, no, I think that that makes sense. I mean, the um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much work I have put in personally, like with my sponsor. With, with I, I know uh, James and I have the same sponsor. Have you done anything with the principles, James? 
with Brian? Has has he brought it up outside of just when you guys went through the big book? No, I, I did that on my own. Uh, yeah, through speakers and uh, you know just finding. I you know as I get more and more into you know living the program, you know my my hunger to know things is just it's just gotten a lot greater. Like I've listening listened to the Joe and Charlie bring the big book alive at least six times. So that's like reading the whole big book six times, but having it explained to you too. Uh, that has helped tremendously. And then in a lighthearted way as well. Yeah. It's so fun. And they, digestible. They, it's so fun. And um, I haven't done that in a while, but I, I would do that as um, I would drive to Miami to pick up the boys. And then on the way back, um, I would try to do it, but the kids would be like, "Dad, I don't, I don't want to listen to church stuff." <laughs> I would just mm. laugh. It's, it's AA, but, <laughs> but all I heard was God, God, God. So they it's it all the good. same if you don't know. Yeah, yeah. I remember lit- being in church as a little kid, man. I could, you just, you don't hear anything. You just don't want to be there. Just like, right. It's like worse than school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Olivia well, me- falls asleep whenever I want her to sleep in the car. I put on some, uh, yeah, some AA stuff, some church stuff, <laughs> like you said, and she's asleep within 60 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's out like a light. Uh, did you do any work, Dennis, with, um, with your sponsor? No, with not, on, not on really on the principles. It's probably something I need to look into more. I know, like, God, it was probably within my first year, but, like, in between probably six months and a year, that I was talking to my grand sponsor at a meeting and he's like, Oh, I don't remember what we were talking about or anything, but I remember he was like, Oh, there's a, you know, there's a principles associated with these steps. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. And then he told me the principles and then I, he had me look them up or whatever. And I was dumbfounded. I was like, Whoa, this is like a whole nother aspect of this that I didn't even know about or whatever. And it was pretty early on. Um, so I haven't done any like work specifically tackling the principles, but it's almost like I was made aware of them and then contemplated them on my own in a way. But then I like, you know, like I said in my share a little bit, there's a lot of, more work I could do to try to apply them to life in general and not just recovery, you know, but my, I got a question for you guys is if you have y'all ever read the 12 and 12, like doesn't the 12 and 12, like go a little deeper into the steps and in some of the principles. I haven't read it all the way through. I've read bits and pieces and yeah, I was same with me. Um, the first time I heard about the principles, I remember, was uh, in celebration. Someone that was visiting gave me a little green card, and it had all the principles on one side of the business card. I can't remember what was on the other side. I think it was the steps on one side, and then the principles of those steps on the other side. And that was the first time I was like, wow, I didn't even know. And uh, I mm. kept that in my wallet for a while. I probably still have it. And that's how I was able to find out. Because, I mean, you don't know, you don't know. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So if these are the principles of AA, 
What do you think the gym teachers of AA would be? Work, work, work? Maybe something like that. Is that a like a school pun or something? Yeah, it's a school pun. <laughs> <laughs> Keep coming back. <laughs> uh, I like that laugh. That's good. <laughs> Condescending. <laughs> um, what about you, Mike? Have well, what about you? Have you done any work on the principles so, with your sponsor? So my first, my first sponsor brought it up, and um, I do think we did like a week or two about it it wasn't like a workbook but he basically um went through and talked about his experience um with each one i i am still i want to get him um on this telling his story because it's a unique one and uh you know hopefully we will in the future but he um he showed me them now much the same i think there was a card like james was talking about that made its way around burlington vermont and a friend of mine had a laminate, a laminating machine, and he would take excerpts out of the, the different, the big book, the 12 and 12, as Bill sees it, uh, living sober book. And this is all, you know, AA uh, approved literature. And he would laminate these little cards. And I still have one of them in my wallet. I have since given a lot of them away. Um, it's the last one that I have, so I hold on to it. But it has that. It has the principles on one side and um, in really, really, really tiny writing, you know, the, the steps on the other. And it's really special. You know, it's, it's something that I'm glad um, that I was introduced to early. Um, you know, I, one of my home groups did the 12 and 12. Uh, as far as a, a reading, it's the 12 and 12 is a little more, I guess, dense, I would say, um, than even the big book as far as how it breaks it down. But it's in depth, you know, as opposed to yeah. a living sober book. If you've seen that, that's that's almost like, um, you know, if the most dense would be three big book is two living sober book is one. So when you first come in and you're going through and you're, you know, uh, the common suggestion early on is, oh, read the doctor's opinion and, you know, start there. Um, my first sponsor was like, yeah, also every Saturday morning, 8 a.m., be at the uh, community teen center because they have a living sober meeting. And then on Sunday, it would be the 12 and 12 at the same location. Um, and we would go through that. Um, and it was, it was great. I, I would recommend to continue to dive in because when they say, you know, uh, take, I don't think it says it in the big book, like take what you need and leave the rest or something to that extent, you have to, you have to sample everything to actually find out. Um, yeah. what works for you is a suggestion that I was given. And I, I still hold true to that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a good point is cause I've definitely heard that a lot is, you know, take, take what you need and leave the rest or whatever. In a way I've done that, you know, in, in a, where I pick and choose like, okay, like I, I like going to the meetings. I'll go to the meetings. I'll do the service work and stuff like that. But then there's other things that I could be doing that I'm just not interested in doing. But meanwhile, I keep having, 
you know, thank God I haven't relapsed with drugs or alcohol, but I, I've had spiritual relapses. So there's, mm. it's almost, but I remember one thing that my sponsor told me early on, and I've heard him repeat it several times, and which I need to like keep in mind is, is we don't know what works. So do everything. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's like, if you come in, obviously when we come in, we don't know what works. We're lost. We're confused. We're in pain. It's miserable. So we start doing it. But if you do everything and things start working and you just keep doing it all, then things will just keep working. Mm. I like that. You got that bow, James? Um, well, I-, I wanted to ask you about the world's tallest Ooh. filing cabinet. <laughs> what? Is that such a thing? Mike? Yeah, yes. <laughs> the what? Right, I need backstory on this. So what do are you Do I th- know? Do I know about this? It's in Burlington, Vermont. Oh, it is? That's it. Like so there's an actual world's biggest Oh, you know what? Burlington, I did, Vermont. I did file that under who gives a shit. That I find. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just we haven't swore in the last couple episodes, and I feel like Dennis. I don't know what's happening. Oh, I'm let I'm letting you guys down. Toss out I'm, an f bomb just so that way we get hit the quota. Fuck no. Feels good. Feels good. Wait, but now I got an important question <laughs> to ask. What do they file in the big, the world's biggest filing cabinet? I don't know. Did you just Google this? Who, who's telling you these things? Google. Google. <laughs> I'm you know, talking about recovery in Burlington, and you're like, I wonder if they got a large frying pan. Nope, file cabinet, the biggest. When I, when I was a kid, I always thought it would be cool to like go on a road trip in like North America and visit all of these like roadside things, like the world's oh, biggest yeah. filing cabinet, world's biggest ball of twine, and just get pictures at all of these like roadside attractions. Well, I I was just. I was looking up Burlington, Vermont, as we were talking. I was like, I want to know where my friend's from. And then it said things to do. And one of the things to do was to go see the world's largest filing cabinet. I never even heard of such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, do you have a, a big coat factory there? We do. We do. It's actually a fun fact. Burlington Coat Factory is founded in Burlington, Massachusetts. So... They, they do, they do have a Burlington coat factory there. People think they're the OG, and they're not. So they're not the original gangster. That's um, good to know, though, right? Yeah. Do you, did you ever swim in Lake Chaplin? <laughs> you have the Wikipedia article open right now, don't you? It's, it's Champlain. <laughs> what? Champlain, Lake Champlain. Okay. If it doesn't come from the Champlain region of France, then it's just sparkling <laughs> Vermont Lake. Here's here's a yeah, and it here's just a sounds fun. like you have a speech impediment. Here's, <laughs> no, no, I'm not impeded, my friend. Champlain. Yeah, it's actually it is the sixth largest lake in the country. And back when the Great Lakes were originally uh, founded together, there was going to be six, and they said, "No, no, we don't want to be a part of that." So they said no to Superior and Michigan and all of the other lakes that make up the Great Lakes. They said, not interested. Huh. Uh, what? 
That's a that's, why. That is true. Because they didn't want to be one of them. They wanted to be their own. There's also a Loch Ness monster in there named Champ. And there is a whole uh, like science museum based on people that have seen Champ, the Loch Ness monster that lives Which, in Lake Champlain. I got to correct you. Pseudoscience museum. <laughs> no, no. It is not a fancy one to be a suit science museum. You, you know, in, in Florida, we have our own version of Bigfoot. It's called the like Great Swamp Ape or something like that. Really? Where it's Sounds... like people see silent or sightings of the, the swamp I bet ape. he's an alcoholic because <laughs> the isolation just rings true. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. commonalities that I feel to that, that beast. So, well... I don't think I don't think there's anything else to say. We'll be back next Thursday, <laughs> sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 72. We're the defective characters, entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. To remember, now when you're practicing these principles in all your affairs, remember that we're living the program in all our affairs. And we'll see you next time. Nice one, James.